The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cox Media Group Ohio. This hour is sponsored by Sim Trainer. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to this pre-recorded broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro, and with Mark Amory, and we're, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can stop by the range, which is located at 2031 Dryden Road in Moraine, or you can give us a call at the range at 937-293-3914, and we'd be more than glad to discuss with you any of your firearms-related needs or interests. I want to start off today's show by uh, mentioning that we have a Christmas raffle going on at the present time. Um, you can buy tickets, $10 a piece or three for $20. The raffle uh, includes your choice of any one of the following five guns in the order that you're picked. We're going to give away three of the five. And as you're, uh, if you're picked first, you get first, of, first pick of uh, all five. And then uh, whatever's left over is what second and third people get. Uh, the choices are the Glock 19 MOS, the Springfield XD Mod 2 4-inch, the Smith & Wesson M&P 2.0, the Glock 43, and the Beretta APX Compact. So, again, you can come down to the range. You can buy your tickets for $10 a piece or three for $20, and you get your pick. If you're first, you get your pick of five. Second gets the pick of remaining four. Third gets the pick of the, of the last three that are there. But they're three great choices. Yeah, none of those guns. are leftovers. No, those yeah. are all great choices. So stop by the range and get your ticket today. In addition, um, your uh, ticket stub is good for 10% off of any purchase $50 or more at the range, no matter what you get. That includes, believe it or not, just yesterday we launched our sale. We are doing a liquidation sale of all of our current new and used guns. So if you find a great price, for example, an individual came in last night and he saw that we had the Smith & Wesson M&P 22 Compact on sale for the unbelievable low price of $250. And uh, if you have a, a, a raffle ticket, you... Uh, can get the additional 10%, so that would be an additional $25 off of the price of your of your firearm. So uh, if you come in tonight and you're interested in buying a gun, my advice would be go ahead and buy at least one raffle ticket because no matter which gun you pick, you're going to get an additional 10% off, no matter if it's new or used, of the gun just for buying the raffle ticket. And our used guns are all from the range program, so everything has been well-maintained. They're all They've all been used right there at the range, and it's kind of a known quantity. Right. Now, not all of the range guns are currently in that process, but we have a list there. And if you're interested in something, let us know. The easiest thing to do is go out to our website and check on the store tab and look at the um, the in-store now gun tab on the left margin, and you'll be able to see the new and the used as, as well as a couple of rifles. And I think one of the best deals going right now, you're not going to believe this, you can get a Rock River Beyond the Basics a gun that we have uh, priced at $750.00. Um, with a raffle ticket, you get uh, uh, 10% off that. You get it for $675, obviously $75 off. And it comes with the training class and a cleaning kit and an extra magazine. So for $675, um, you're not going to be able to beat that price. But be sure to check out our uh, uh, current gun inventory on our 
website at under the store tab and see if there's something there that you might be interested in. A couple of others of interest, uh, just based on discussions with people, we have a Ruger Mark IV Target that for $400. That's well below our cost. And if you buy a raffle ticket, you're going to get an additional $40. But there's some great deals there. So check out the page and see if there's something that uh, um, you'd be interested in. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit now and uh, talk with Mark a little bit about last week we had uh, Representative Steve Huffman um, on the show to talk about what's going on in the state legislature uh, back after the uh, tragedy in uh, the Oregon District earlier in the year. There were uh, people making calls to do something, and of course the calls to do something kind of equated to uh, politicians all around the state at every level saying, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we need more gun control. Um, fortunately, and uh, I understand, put this in the proper context, some of the emotion surrounding that incident has died down. That doesn't mean that the severity or the tragedy is at all minimized, but the emotion over what we need to do has kind of died down, and there's some rational decision-making that's at least going on at, at all levels. And uh, um, represent, or I'm sorry, Senator Huffman last week uh, talked to us about uh, basically all the proposed bills are at a standstill at the present point. He doesn't think there's going to be anything done this year, and uh, everything will likely have to be reintroduced next year, which will probably be in the early to mid-January, and then we'll see where it goes. He did mention that the um, kind of the combination bill, uh, Strong Ohio, and we'll talk more about some of the details there, and then the um, duty to retreat that was most recently um, uh, proposed by Senator Johnson are the two most likely to gain traction, but a lot of the other things that have been out there um, just likely aren't going to go very far. Yeah, and because we're still in the same session of the General Assembly, uh, it would just be a matter of picking them back up to the schedule. So the, the bills will, they're already been in, introduced, they will still continue to go through the process, but as as you mentioned, there's just not been much in terms of any process that's actually happened. And given that there's the not sense of urgency of the ending of the session, they're not going to get anything done before Christmas and the New Year. So when they come back after the Christmas break, that's when some of these things may start to break loose a little bit. But again, the sense of urgency is one of these things that kind of drives the congressional calendar or the, the General Assembly's calendar. And that doesn't happen until we get to the end of next year and the election. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure that if, if our listeners and others contact their representatives and their state senators and let them know that there are things that you're interested in, that would be a good thing uh, in terms of getting some of these things to move. That's more likely to cause things to move than, than some of the other possible uh, actions that might happen. And it's always a good idea to stay in contact with your representatives anyway. And just to give you a general overview, the concept Strong Ohio proposed by Senator Dolan is kind of a compilation of uh, many of the proposals that have been forwarded by um, members of the legislature and also Governor DeWine. And the Strong is basically an acronym for the S stands for Safety Protection Orders, the T for Thorough Background Checks, the R for Rigorous Due Process, very important in this entire uh, discussion. The O is for ongoing help for those in crisis, referring to mental health issues. The N is for new state background checks, and the G is for greater penalties for gun crimes. Now, when you look at that, there are some things that, that automatically jump out. Early on, they were talking about, quote, red flag, unquote, um, legislation. And some of the people making the proposals 
um, didn't really know what that meant, but they just wanted to say, hey, other states have red flags, so we have to start flagging people who create a potential risk. And I think all of us understand that there are individuals who display certain behaviors that certainly rise to the level of concern of those around them. However, the early um, recommendations were that uh, when somebody gets identified like that, the first thing you do is confiscate whatever guns they have, rather than get the individual the help they need to try to diagnose and treat and correct the problem that they might be having. Well, since that time, basically all the proposed language in the legislation has changed to instead of red flag, you hear them now talking about just basically continuing to utilize the the, the pink slip process that we in law enforcement have used for many years, but more importantly, guarantee due process. First of all, take the individual away from the problem, get them the mental health, and then if a determination is made that they are um, a harm to potential harm to themselves or others, then um, following a, a series of court processes and appearances, the individual will potentially have, at, at the order of a judge, have the firearms confiscated temporarily until the matter can be resolved, resolved one, one way or the other. But the emphasis throughout the most recent discussions is that due process be followed the entire way. And, and that's really important because most of the red flag provisions that have been pushed by people who have been pushing them, which is basically the anti-gun community, those provisions have all included just remove the guns right now. Maybe you'll get them back sometime, but if you get them back, it's because you had to fight pretty hard to go through a process that was undefined to get your firearms back and to restore your rights. So it was a removal of rights first, and then we'll talk about what happens next. And that's just completely backwards of everything else that we do in jurisprudence. I give the Ohio legislature and Governor DeWine credit for kind of screeching to a halt when all the emotional-laden proposals were out there, and they put forth some reasonable um, alternatives and some reasonable options, at least for discussion. Contrast that with what's going on in Virginia, Mark. Um, There's a situation in Virginia that I think is a powder keg, potentially leading to some really serious ramifications on a number of different fronts. But basically what they're proposing, the, the newly elected legislature, which in in January will turn both the House and the Senate in Virginia to the Democratic side, individuals have made proposals to the the one that's probably the most uh, telling is they're going to call for the outlawing and the banning of any semi-automatic weapon holding a magazine that holds 10 or more rounds of ammunition. And that basically, they didn't limit it to rifles, it's any and all. And um, there wasn't a a clause for a grandfather clause where if you currently have it, um, that uh, you can you can keep it. Now, I know there's been some language that they're starting to back off some of the provisions. But when you looked at it on its face, not only did they say that they were going to outlaw them, but they were going to confiscate them and they were going to implement a confiscation program. Yeah. And and it was and it's been this has been something that has been talked about many times by the the Democrat party. It's been. Uh, it's not universal by any means. It's not something that that, is, that goes across, cuts widely across Democrat Party, but it's something that you find proposed pretty much exclusively by, uh, by the, the left of the political wing. Uh, and in, in Virginia, it, it was actually started back in, in this January, this past January, because that's when, the, for the first time, 
the the con- or the uh, the general assembly equivalent in Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, did turn with a Democrat majority. So all of these things that have been pent up, there's a lot of people with the NRA being based in Northern Virginia. There's a lot of people who think that you know that is their enemy and they need to do everything they can to fight the enemy. And now that the the kind of the handcuffs have come off, there have been some pretty egregious proposals. And now we also have. Uh, close to 100 counties in Virginia that have said, we are a Second Amendment sanctuary. Your laws will not be enforced here. And in some cases, even the sheriff has set up and started deputizing militias that have already been formed. And the term militia is a, a very common term that really applies to any group of people who have been organized to defend themselves and and their communities. We need to take our first break for the hour, but um, we would love for you to uh, participate and you can contact us through our website at sim-trainer.com and go to the uh, contact link and send us an email and we'd love to hear from you. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Merry Christmas from 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Experts weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. And right before the break, Mark and I were talking about the situation that's unfolding in Virginia. And I want to mention that there's two things that are relevant and, and pertinent. Understand this is Michael Bloomberg driven philosophy and uh, implementation of gun confisc or gun uh, uh, gun control and gun confiscation, um, and it's his money, it's his ideology that's kind of coming to life down there. And there's people who have bought into it, and it's a test run, not only for Bloomberg but for the Democrats. Just like the impeachment proceedings are a test run to see what we, the the people of this country, will tolerate as far as an infringement on individual rights is. What's going to happen down in Virginia is going to be a test run, and hopefully. And I'm, I'm very confident, hopefully it's going to blow up in their face because when it meets constitutional muster or when they have to face the constitutional issues, it's not going to meet the muster. It's not going to live up to the standards and it's going to be a clear infringement on individual rights. And in, in, in the test case, in this case is where they're turning us, trying to turn a state. You've got places like New York and California and Massachusetts and New Jersey where you already have many of these kinds of provisions in place. And uh, in California, the uh, the whole um, background of gun control started with the National Assault Weapons Ban. Then when that expired, they had already put most of those things into state law and have actually gone farther than that. So now you have a place like Virginia where these have been pretty uncommon and they have the the right to keep and bear arms in Virginia has has a long history. So now they're trying to do, let's see now that we've got control, we have control. What they forget is that it's still the people that have the, the real control and the people are standing up and being pretty loud about saying, yeah, we don't want any part of this. Well, I give sheriffs credit for standing up because understand um, government officials, regardless of what level that they're uh, serving, they take an oath to uphold the laws of the United States, the Constitution of the United States, the laws of the state that they're in, and the municipal ordinances. Um, and understand that the constitutional rights supersede all others. And that's something that people kind of fail to understand. When the legislature ex post facto enacts a law at the local level that violates constitutional principles, 
those individuals could potentially be drawn into both criminal and civil proceedings for infringing on individual civil rights. And that's kind of the dilemma that uh, the governor and the uh, legislature could potentially put the, the, the valiant law enforcement uh, professionals in that uh, state uh, into. And it's very unfortunate. They're already talking about using the National Guard to enforce laws that the sheriffs and the law enforcement will refuse to enforce. And I think they forget that the National Guard took that same oath. Absolutely. So I think they're going to find that that is not going to go as well as they hoped. And, and that's a good thing because... If they were to actually start enforcing these things and the people stand up and say, what you're doing is unconstitutional and illegal and we're not going to let you do it, that could really become a powder keg. And we don't, I don't, nobody wants that to happen. Well, one other thing that uh, we will talk, I'll talk a little bit more after we come back from the, the break is uh, Ohio has a, uh, uh, Senator Thomas and Senator Craig have sponsored legislation to overrule preemption. And um, that's something that's kind of flown below the radar and people haven't talked much about. But when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about that issue because that's something that could be very far reaching. And uh, here in Ohio, we have to be careful about what's happening. And the good thing is there's there's people that are watching uh, very closely what's going on. The bad thing is they're moving a lot of pieces of legislation through and sometimes little bits and pieces can get snuck in under the radar and become law without people really realizing that uh, that's what's going on. So we'll talk more about that when we come back after the break. Yeah, and and the preemption, we'll talk about what that is for people who may not be as familiar with that as well because that's a pretty important concept. Okay, we're going to head out to the newsroom. This is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. Merry Christmas from 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and talk it's an ask the experts weekend on dayton and springfield's 24-hour news weather and traffic station 1290 and 95.7 whio dayton's news and talk welcome back to the show this is mark avery and jeff pedro for shooting from the hip uh, we're glad that uh, that you stuck around with us if you'd like to get more information about the show you can go to our website at sim-trainer.com and click on the radio link and uh, you'll find out a little bit more about the show itself and get some history. And also, if you'd like to download our podcast, there's a link to that. And uh, we usually have the last 60 hours or so of broadcast available for you to listen to anytime you'd like. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the concept of preemption and a proposal uh, by Senators Thomas and Craig to remove preemption from Ohio law. And what firearms preemption does is it says that Home rule concept, which is pretty strong in Ohio, which says that local communities, local counties have the authority to set their own rules. But the state legislature said for the case of firearms, now especially that uh, concealed carry had been in effect for a few years, the, the fact that individual communities could set their own rules could mean that someone who is doing everything legally as they are traveling out of their home community and going into another community by just going across the border could suddenly be uh, committing some sort of local ordinance violation that could end up putting them in jail. And that was something that, given the, the seriousness and the nature of the kinds of things that would be associated with a crime uh, involving a firearm, the state said, you know, this is not something that's fair. It's not something that we want people to be at that kind of risk. So... For firearms laws and regulations that the state is going to preempt home rule and is going to say 
that all of those legislations, all of those laws and regulations can only be made at the state level by the General Assembly signed by the governor. Uh, this was first proposed in 2006 and was passed as House Bill 347. It was vetoed by Governor Taft, but in a very rare move, the legislature overrode that veto. The Supreme Court has upheld that, the Ohio Supreme Court has upheld that law first in 2010 and a few times since then, as it has been challenged by places like the city of Cleveland, where they think that guns are evil and the best thing we can do is get guns out of the hands of law-abiding citizens, and then um, then that will improve the problem, which, of course, it, every instance of experience that we have in other communities shows that's not the case. Well, now they're beginning to, they're looking for people to co-sponsor a bill that would restore, quote, local control over firearms. And the problem with that is that you would set up exactly what the legislature was concerned about to begin with and why the original bill was passed, why preemption was put into place, and that is that you cause people to be accidental felons simply by driving through a community doing what is in compliance with state law but violates a local ordinance of some sort. So uh, this is something that, that we're very concerned about in, in the terms of if it were to go into effect, it would be a, a really bad thing for Ohio gun owners and especially for anyone that has a concealed handgun license, but really anyone who competes, anyone who goes hunting, anyone who does anything involving a firearm and transport of that firearm could be put at risk of being an accidental criminal simply because uh, they they went into a community where the, the community had passed some sort of ordinance. So uh, this is something that, that we have uh, been concerned about. It's something that um, Jeff, you've you've spoken with uh, with uh, Senator Huffman about. Yes, the, a couple things that I want to bring up relative to this particular issue is that uh, the legislation or the legislators who propose this and many of the local politicians they associate the violence that's going on in the inner cities with their inability to impose what they think are reasonable gun control restrictions on their communities, whether it's possession, where you can carry, how you can carry, um, those sorts of things. They're under the impression that if they do things like, I remember back, uh, Mark, when the initial concealed carry law passed, one of the big issues was people, where you could carry. And one of the things were in, in public parks, an individual walking through a park in Toledo and Cleveland and some of those places there say, no, we don't want people with guns in our parks. The assumption was people with guns are going to cause problems. What they fail to recognize is before then, during that time, and since then, people who have illegally possessed guns have carried them and used them to commit criminal acts, not only in parks, but every other place where they do their dirty deeds. And passing a law that says you're not allowed to carry a park isn't going to affect the criminals. My they goodness, just ignore them. We have mentioned that so many times. And just recently, if you look at gun crimes that have happened in the greater Dayton area, this just in the last couple months, um, you've got so many laws on the books that are currently dealing with those subjects who were involved. For example, this past weekend in Kettering, some kids, I'm saying kids, people between the ages of probably 16 and 20, I'm not for sure the actual age, were gathered at a residence, and somehow one of them produced a firearm. They were mishandling the firearm. Someone shot the firearm and killed one of the people that were at this gathering. There was no indication that it was a um, a case of where they were preying on the individual and they were committing a, a specific predatory Any kind crime. Of criminal intent. Yeah. However, we have since found out that the gun was stolen. It was one of the guns stolen from the pawn shop in uh, um, in Dayton. 
And um, so it was illegally possessed. Obviously, if they're under 21, it was illegally possessed by someone who shouldn't have had it. Uh, it was a, a stolen gun. So there's already crimes on the books. And if the individual was charged, and I'm not sure what the outcome is, but even if they didn't intend to shoot, then there's a potential that they could be charged with reckless or negligent homicide in that particular case. So, so there are plenty of laws on the books to deal with those cases. Um, probably the one that gets most attention is the the shooting of the uh, two or three juveniles in a detached garage uh, somewhere in, in the Dayton area uh, occurred back in October. A homeowner who apparently had been the victim of uh, several vandalism and or uh, criminal acts over the course of a period of time uh, heard some rumbling going on in his detached garage. He goes outside with a firearm. Um, we don't know for sure, but there was uh, a confrontation. He ended up shooting uh, all three of them, I think, killed killed two, maybe just shot at the third who fled the scene and later came back. However, the police responded, and initially they started conducting their investigation. They didn't arrest the homeowner because they didn't have enough information. Now, all kinds of um, people jumped to the conclusion that the individual should be arrested, and the prosecutor and the Dayton police chief said, we're going to conduct our investigation because the burden of proof had changed a year ago, requiring the prosecution to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the individual did not use deadly force in self-defense, um, whereas before it was preponderance of the evidence and the individual had to prove that his, his use of force was, in fact, in self-defense. And the mayor of Dayton was one of the first to come out and say the passage of that law was stupid and that that created it handcuffed law enforcement. Now, neither the police chief nor the prosecutor made that assertion. They acknowledged the fact that that is basically how all criminal matters are dealt with. The police have to conduct an investigation, and the prosecution is required at trial to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a certain act occurred or didn't occur. So putting the burden rightfully where it was, and as Mark has told us so many times, just getting our law in line with what's going on around the country happened a year ago. It really had no relevance to this current case because after the police completed their investigation, turned the information over to the prosecutor's office, the prosecutor uh, came down with warrants for the arrested individuals on uh, the the individual who did the shooting on murder charges. He was arrested, and I believe he's being held on over a million dollar bond at the present time, pending trial. So the justice system works when it's given a chance to work the way it is, and we don't need to give cries to change things just because we have emotional feelings. And I know much of uh, the feelings of the people around here on that incident probably had was kind of the spillover from what occurred in, uh, in the Oregon District, but the bottom line is we have so many laws that do exactly what we need them to do. We just have to let the current laws um, kind of kick in and let the justice system work the way it's supposed to. When you have this rush to judgment, when you have people who are uh, feeling emotionally charged because of something that's happened that is particularly horrible, and in whether it is horrible to everyone or it's just horrible in their view doesn't really matter because to them it's horrible. And they see something happens that didn't directly affect them, but they think that, and, and frankly, the Oregon District, I wasn't there, so in that sense it didn't directly affect me, but it was it was horrible. It's It just... It just causes your you to your tilt uh, mechanism to to go off because it's just so far outside the norm. And when somebody says, "Well, that means we need to do something," well, yes, we do. We need to let law enforcement do their job. We need to let the system work, the justice system work. Some people say, "Well, you can't get fair justice in this system." I disagree. I think if you let uh, the justice system work the way it's supposed to, and let people do the investigations and get the facts. I know facts are kind of hard to come by sometimes, 
But if you get the facts and, and let them actually study what happened, do the investigation, get the evidence, and then bring the case based on that, you're going to have a much better system for everyone. Because when it gets out of control, when anybody can bring a charge based on their on their feelings of what is horrible, then that can affect any of us. It can it can it cause all of us to be at risk of being charged and and prosecuted and convicted of something that was completely not as it's being represented. So that I think that's important. Probably the one that's most uh, emotional laden at the present time is the, the murder of the Dayton police detective. And uh, God bless his family, fellow police officers, friends, all the people involved, um, especially this time of year. Um, we, we Our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved. But I just want to mention that in that particular case, the individual responsible for that is has been arrested, has been charged with capital offenses, potentially faces the death penalty. Associates or conspirators will likely also face harsh uh, punishments. The individual who uh, purchased the gun through what I believed, at least initially was reported, to be straw purchased, uh, that individual has been identified and arrested, and the system will 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 work in that regard. Um, There are plenty of laws currently on the books, and uh, uh, gun control isn't the answer. Let the justice system work the way it's supposed to. We mentioned last week um, different uh, categories of firearms that are currently in circulation, and uh, we'll spend many shows talking about um, the different aspects relative to that, but we just have to, relative to the current legislation, we just have to kind of have faith in the fact that uh, the laws that are in place are going to do what they're supposed to do and take care of the problems. And going back to what I said before, you, you now are aware that this is being proposed. This is a great time for you to start writing and uh, contacting your legislator and let them know what you think about the concept of restoring uh, or removing preemption, restoring the home rule for firearms to your local community. Maybe you think that's a good idea, and if so, then let them know that. We don't think that's a good idea. We think it would be bad for the gun community and really communities as a whole. All right, we need to take our last break for the hour, and when we come back, we'll wrap this up and uh, make sure that uh, everybody has uh, wishing for a Merry Christmas because we definitely want to to share with you in that. All right, this is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Merry Christmas from 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Dayton and Springfield Station for 24-hour news, weather, and traffic. And our Ask the Expert weekends, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and I want to remind our listeners, not only is this the last show before Christmas, but Mark and I are going uh, hunting this weekend. First time for you, and uh, well, it's not my. It'd be the first time if I get one, but okay, I haven't okay. been. Okay, you've been out. It'd be times. the first time for my wife. Yeah, so. well, we're going to be going, and uh, we're going to Southern Ohio at a friend's house with uh, my brother's coming, Mark's wife's coming, maybe a couple of my. Um, uh, my children may may join us uh, depending on how things go, but uh, we're going to have a, a great weekend. Looks like the weather's going to hold out for us. It's going to be great. We're excited about being able to get out and enjoy the shooting sports by way of hunting. And enjoy the outdoors. I mean, yeah. it's it's so great to be out and, and just uh, and experience the outdoors. Yeah, I mean, if it was 19 degrees and the wind was blowing, that would make it a little bit less fun. But it's supposed to be actually pretty nice. It yeah. might be a little muddy, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're excited about that. And I know my brother, he gets, he's really into this. I mean, he's got all the equipment, all the gear. 
Um, he's got the scent, and he's got this and that. And uh, he tells me uh, he, he complained, and you hunters out there will probably understand where he's coming from. He complains about me bringing my coffee. Well, it's so early in the morning, I have to have my coffee. He says, Jeff, the deer are going to smell your coffee, <laughs> so you are. can't bring coffee. So, all right, I have to deal with that. Well, then I, I inadvertently put a, a halls in my mouth. Oh, and he's like, you wrong. can't do that because that's strong in the deer. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, there's other things he does that I'm just not that dedicated to hunter. I'll be quite honest with you. I'm only going for a buck this year. So if I see a doe, I'm going to either let my, my son, if he's with me, or I'm just going to pass it up. And Point in my direction. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, I'll kind of shoo him up the hill to, to your area because I'm, I'm looking for a buck. And I enjoy the camaraderie. Uh, both in the hunt and then after the hunt, yeah, one of my have... famous, one of my most famous things is that I don't hunt in the middle of the afternoon. So I go up and sit with Carl in the cabin, and I usually end up getting a little siesta, and then I go up later in the evening, and then we have a nice dinner in the evening. So I'm there for the as much the the, the companionship and the friendship and fellowship as I am for the hunting. But the it rest is, of them, yeah. they're dead serious about getting a deer. Well, I, I mean, I would like to. Um, I'm I really I really like venison. I'm my smoker is ready to go. And uh, so, you know, if we get some, then that'll be great. And if not, you know, it'll still be a great time. Well, one of our colleagues, Wayne, some of you know them, he got a 13-pointer during uh, the week-long season earlier. So we're hoping. He said he saw another buck off to the left, so I'm hoping that was his dad. He's an 18-pointer, and uh, that, that's my hope anyway. So, Well, um, more than anything, we just hope that you have a wonderful Christmas with your family and friends, that uh, you remember what the reason for the season is, and that... Uh, that that we spend some time remembering the uh, the the advent and uh, the birth of our uh, Savior Jesus Christ, uh, and if you don't if you don't celebrate that way, that's perfectly fine. But that's that's kind of where we come from, and and uh, and we wish for you and your family and your friends the blessings of this season, and as we move forward into the new year. Uh, that everything just is uh, is full of blessings and that uh, it's a wonderful time. Merry Christmas to all. Merry Christmas to everyone. You're listening to Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's News and Talk. From our downtown Dayton McAfee Heating and Air Studios, WHIO AM Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station.